Our Father, we thank You so much for the blessings that You've given to us, for a chance to be here at this Michigan camp meeting and to get to know You better while we're here. Now we ask in a special way that You send Your Holy Spirit here so that people don't hear the words that I say, but they hear what You have for them. Ask that as we prepare to work with youth that we will see them through Your eyes and see what we can do to help them grow to love and serve you. We ask this in thy name. Amen. So I hope you're here for Master Guide stuff, because that's what we're working on. We're, we're, today we're going to be starting out on the leadership skills end of things. And as soon as I, when I saw this, uh, on the interwebs, I said to myself, self, I like this picture. She says, I'm not bossy, I have skills, leadership skills, understand? Hopefully that's not quite how you do it, but... Uh... So, let's look a little bit at some of the objectives of leadership. Leaders cannot be leaders without other people, therefore we're going to explore the roles of leaders within groups. And we're going to look at some of the tasks for leaders. This isn't one of the primary tasks for, for leaders, shooting down other ideas. Uh, we're, among the things we're going to look at uh, is modeling attitudes and values. And the values denote beliefs, purposes, and attitudes that are chosen, hopefully thoughtfully, and acted upon. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Take a seat. And uh, hopefully there's going to be some, some binders coming to, to, to pass out to people. Uh, society is changing rapidly, and so we're going to be looking at, at um, valuing rather than values. The following are some ways that have been advocated for helping young people to develop uh, modeling. Uh, setting an example by the way adults behave or pointing to good models in the past. Many of you have heard the, the story of George Washington and the cherry tree. That's uh, one example. Uh, another one uh, was Penelope, who was the young, beautiful, wealthy wife of, of Odysseus. The, um, and... Uh, you know, Odysseus, he's off on this long voyage, this odyssey, and he was gone for years, and there were all these suitors that were after her because she was so beautiful, and she, she just said, no, no, I will wait, I will wait, I will wait. So these are examples of, of modeling. Um, now, there are, I, I'm just going to throw out a little idea that, uh, as an, one small example of things that we can do to model things to our kids. Our kids see us, well, hopefully, more than just at our meetings. Um, and just, I just should make around a quick poll. How many of you are on the adventurer side of things? Okay, we got three. And on the Pathfinder side of things? Okay. Um, the idea, I'm going to, hopefully they, they see us outside of meetings. And uh, when I, um, you know, I have a day job. I, I, my day job is I repair band instruments, like trumpets and trombones and French horns and stuff like tubas, this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm very blessed because I get paid to do it. And uh, periodically... Uh, I get this paycheck, and so then when I go to the bank, I, I cipher out, you know, um, how much am I depositing, how much am I getting for, for tithe and offering and all of this kind of stuff. When I fill out my tithe envelope, I stick it in my shirt pocket, and because that, for one thing, that way I hopefully will remember when the deacon comes around and, 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 it's, and it's ready to do. Um, but I also think it's important for kids to see that some of us do that. Uh, that's not a big thing. You know, I, I think it's an important thing, 
but I'm not doing it as a look at me. It's just a part of what I do, like I carry a Bible. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Um, so that's a little bit on modeling. Um, something else that people sometimes try and do is, is persuading and convincing, you know, give reasons for this and that. And we need to be careful that we've got good logic behind what we're doing. For instance, like here it says, two is a number. One is a number. Therefore, two and one are equal, right? <laughs> no, no, they're not. That's, that's, there's a little problem with that reasoning there. Sometimes, welcome. There's handouts in the back. Um, sometimes we will give children choices among uh, values that we accept, such as how, do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to help wash the dishes or help clean the floor? Um, and, and as a parent, I've done that one on a whole bunch of times. You know, uh, anybody else give, give kids choices like that? Yeah. Um, now, sometimes people come up with really strange ideas of choices, like, are you going to always tell the truth or never speak to anyone again? Well, that's not a logical way to instruct. Um, you know, you give them, uh, see if we can get this to advance properly. Another thing that is done is, to, is by dramatic or emotional pleas for certain values, often accompanied by models associated with it. Another thing is uh, rules and regulations that are intended to contain and mold behavior. That's, uh, sometimes we give people uh, rewards. Uh, here we've got a, a dog that's getting a reward. What are some of the rewards that are sometimes given to kids? What? Candy. Any other ones? Money. Money. What other kind of rewards are given to kids? Getting to do special things. Getting to do special things like what? Like a day alone with mom. <laughs> Ooh, like a day alone with mom. Okay. Or if you do this, um, my oldest. His reward is, if you do such and such, you can do so many laps around the yard with the four wheels. Ah, so, if, so, if, so, if so. You do such and such, you can have this amount of time on the phone. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. You know, what's their currency? Figuring out what their currency Yeah, okay. What is, what is their currency? If, if they do thus and such, do they get some laps around the house on the four-wheeler or, or get to play some certain amount of time with games on the phone? Okay. Okay. What other things can be used as rewards for kids? Outings to go sledding. Okay. Pardon? Go to your friend's house. Okay. Anything else? Long ago, far away, I can remember my um, piano teacher when I would uh, play a piece well, she'd put a little gold star sticker on that page. Unfortunately, I didn't stay with the piano light as much as I should have. But anyway, those are some of the things. Uh, sometimes uh, there'll be cultural or religious dogma that's presented as unquestioned wisdom, such as saying things should be believed because our people have always done it this way. Uh, you know, like, and, and sometimes we need to be careful about doing some of this. For those of you who don't know what a dogma looks like, uh, somebody has proposed that that's a dogma. It's crossed between a llama and a dog. Anyway, uh, moralizing, telling the way it ought to be, yeah, is a nice, easy method. Um, usually appeals to conscience, the still small voice. And, you know, this kind of thing could be helping somebody with a guilt trip. So here we have the guilt clinic right next to the junk food sales. Um, at any rate, moving on. 
uh, the valuing process, help them to figure out things on their own. Uh, sometimes we have to, you know, we wanted them to make choices and to make them freely. Um, help them to discover uh, the alternatives that are available and help them, okay, if we've got this and if, if you do this, what'll happen? If you do this, what'll happen? And, and have them play through. Uh, handouts in the back on the table if you're interested. Okay. Um, so if you, if you take this, what happens? And, and have them explain what happens. And if they don't know, well, help them learn. And, and what happens if you do this? And help kids to learn what it is that they prize and cherish, because sometimes they don't know. And sometimes we have to help them figure it out. We also need to give them opportunities to make public affirmations of their choices. One example of that is an induction ceremony. That's where people, they have a, a chance to get up in front of who everybody that shows up and say, yep, you know, they aren't physically saying, yes, I want to join, but they have to light their own candle or whatever it is that they do to say, yes, I, I want to be a part of that. Another example of a public affirmation is baptism. Yes, that's, so we want to give people, give them a, a chance to do these things and help them examine repeated behavior patterns in their lives. So when you do this and this and this, these are things that are alike, was, did we have a good outcome? And if yes, yay for our team. And if not, so what happened? Do we want to keep doing this or not? Do, do you like it when when you get a timeout? Do you enjoy just having timeout? Or whatever it is. And help them to discover, do we want to keep repeating this pattern? And there are some patterns we like to see repeated, and there's some that we don't. There's all sorts of books and uh, things out that can help people that want to spend more time on this valuing. Thing. Remember this, leadership is not about advancing yourself, it's about advancing your team. I remember there was a, um, uh, an activity a few years ago at, I don't remember, I think it was at one of the Pathfinder camperees, and uh, the objective, they had um, on the grass, somebody had drawn some lines. And, and they were told that between those lines was a river. And they had to help get their club across the river. And people were given a paper plate. And you could only stand on the paper plate. You could put the paper plate anywhere on the river, but to keep it from floating away, you had to put your foot on it. And so, how do you advance like that? Well, it gets to be where you need some teamwork. And uh, so, you, somebody puts a plate down and, and gets their foot on it, and then they get both their feet on it, and somebody hands them another plate, and they get that down with the foot on it, and then somebody puts their foot on this other one, and you keep working your way across. And uh, people have to keep handing plates up, and, and, uh, but you have to get the whole team across. And there were some clubs where some of the older, and, and, and I will just report what I saw. It was some of the teen guys who were accustomed to um, competitive sports, and they wanted, they got themselves across, they got to where they could leap, and then their plate just kind of floated away, and the next person couldn't come. Uh -huh. With what we're doing, if you're, good leadership will be advancing your team, not just yourself. We'll look a little bit at group process. 
For a group to be effective, the members have to be able to exchange ideas freely and clearly. Uh, they also need to feel involved in the process. Uh, Buy-in by groups is very important. If, if they don't feel like they're a part of it, they're not going to be getting involved. Oh, by the way, I, I have to apologize. I neglected to do something that I try to do whenever I start. We need some basic ground rules here. And here's, here, here is one of them. Dave is not a professional presenter. Okay? I learned some time ago, I make my living on my feet, and I'm moving all the time. Because, and so, I have learned that when I get into this position, frequently I move to this position. And so, it is fair to get up and walk anytime you need to. If you just need to stretch or whatever. If you need to do jumping jacks, whatever. Do them quietly. If you think I'm, I'm jesting about my problem, this true story, just a, just a few months ago, I came home from work. It was a Monday. And... Um, I said to my wife, says, it's, we've got to get my hair cut. We've been talking about it for a while. And, and, but there's always stuff going on. But, but I could see she didn't have anything going on, so I went and got the stuff. And uh, it says, now you got to cut my hair. Okay, okay, you know. And so I take off my glasses, and she goes to work. And I don't, want, I don't like hair in my eyes, so I close my eyes. And after a little bit, she shakes my shoulder and she says, you're done now, uh, you can get up. I says, well, but you, have to, you haven't trimmed my beard yet. She says, yes, I did, and your eyebrows. <laughs> uh, I, I just, so, one of the ground rules is, if you want to get up and move, you can do that, okay? You, you, if you want to insult me, that won't do it. You'll have to find another way. So feel, feel free to get up and move. Okay? Uh, so, and, and at any time, if, if anybody's got a question, please ask it. Because, and my, and my wife will, will vouch for this, I do not read minds. I'm really not good at that. So... Okay, back to this. Group process. Just because all the members of a group are capable individuals doesn't mean they're going to effectively function as a group. I'm a transplant to Michigan. We moved here 23 years ago uh, from Minnesota. Uh, I was able to grow up in the only county in Minnesota that does not have a lake. There's only one, and that's the one I grew up in. But while I was there... Um, I, I, and personally, I've always been very athletically declined, so I don't keep up with all of the sports stuff. But I, I do have been exposed to the radio, and I, I heard on the radio that uh, some members of the uh, Minnesota Gophers basketball team had done something. I don't know what they did, but the star players, several of them, got themselves kicked off the team uh, early on in the season, very early in the season. And so now all of a sudden the coach doesn't have enough players to function as a team. He didn't have enough. And but they're supposed to but they've got all these games scheduled and he recruited some football players. Now there's similarities between basketball and football, but there's a whole bunch of differences. They have the shape of the ball, and, and, and the goals look different, and you know, all of this stuff. But all of these football players had probably played basketball in high school, at least to some degree. So they knew how, they knew how it's done, but they also knew that they were football players. That was their main sport. And all the guys that had left were the big stars. And so they knew that if they were going to win anything, they had to play as a team. And so that's what they did. 
And all of a sudden, the team started winning more games with the football players than they had with the hotshot basketball players because they were playing as a team. Just, you know, and that's an example. Here they had these very capable individuals, but they didn't work well as a group. Hopefully you can get your clubs to work effectively as groups and your staff. A group process can help a group grow to maturity and we can often channel them into effective work and sometimes the internal conflicts can be broken down because we're working toward a common goal. Any group can benefit from a skilled and dedicated leader, but an effective group leader must understand that each member is responsible for contributing to the total task of leadership. Everybody has to take uh, responsibility for what's happening. Long ago, far away, I had some boys that I thought needed a Pathfinder Club. And our church didn't have one. And so I volunteered to start one. I didn't know a lot about pathfindering. I mean, we, I had been in a, a Pathfinder Club as a kid, but we, we weren't doing the full program. We, we worked on honors. And uh, when there was a Pathfinder Fair or Campery, we went and did whatever happened there. But I didn't fully understand the, the total process. Um, but I had some ideas. And so I was willing to start a club. And uh, there were other families that were interested in having their kids in a club. But there were two mothers that came to me and said, if you're going to be marching and drilling, my, clubs, my kids are not going to be in the club. And... <coughs> Like I said, I didn't know a lot of, about pathfinding, but I knew that march and drill was not the central focus. And I said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. That's not going to be a problem. And so we formed a club, and we started having meetings. And I remembered as when I was a kid, seeing all these pictures in the junior guide of kids who had finished their 50-mile bike ride working on the bicycling honor, and uh, a bunch of them uh, had the kind of bikes I was accustomed to with the uh, coaster brake, uh, you know, the old one-speed cruisers. But some of them had those fancy three-speed English racers, you know. Um, but these kids were, these pictures show these kids finishing their 50-mile ride in their uniform. Okay, this is before the days of the Class B field uniform, okay? So now they didn't have the, sat, the, the honor sash on, but they were riding in their dress uniform because that's, that was their uniform. And I had always thought that was cool. So I, when we were starting up, I thought, ah, well, this is my chance to get the bicycling honor. Uh, just, this isn't a side. One of the advantages to leading one of these groups is you get to relive part of your youth. Okay. You don't have to grow up. Uh, a friend of mine back home told me, he says, did you know that if you get to 50, if you haven't grown up yet, you don't have to. So that'll give some of you something to look forward to. Um, anyway, I wanted to do the bicycling honor, and so we got together for our meetings, and we had a devotional, and then we started working on some of the different components of the bicycling honor. And very, I, I was blessed with my staff. I didn't have a lot, but I, didn't, I had enough. I had a girls' counselor and a guys' counselor. And Jonathan said to me, you know, you got these three 10-mile rides they have to do and a 50. We ought to tell them that you have to have gone on at least two of the 10 miles before you can do the 50. That was good counsel, you know? So, so we said that, you know? And so we worked on learning the bicycle anatomy and, and, and all of this stuff and patching tires and we went on some rides and stuff. And uh, we, we did our 50-mile bike ride and, and we actually joined forces with another club in the area so our kids could work together. You know, we had fun. Anyway, somewhere along the line, somebody in the conference office told the guy who was 
head of Pathfinders for the Minnesota Conference. He had about four other hats that he wore, but they clued him in that, hey, there's a guy down in this little town that's trying, thinks he's running a Pathfinder club and he doesn't have a clue what he's doing. And so the good brother, he came down and he gave me the two-hour version of the basic staff training course that's normally 10 hours or more. And, and so I learned a lot. And all of a sudden, now we learned we, we were working on what then was the uh, uh, AY uh, requirements. Today it's investiture achievement, which has clarified and simplified some stuff. Anyway, so we, we start working on that. And the time comes for the Pathfinder Fair. And we get a list of these various events, to do the fire building and this and that. And then there was a march and drill thing. And I thought, okay, I don't have to worry about march and drill uh, because we don't march and drill. And so we're working on all these other events. And um, the week before uh, the Pathfinder Fair weekend, I'm in church, and uh, I found out the week, the, the, the Wednesday before at our meeting that uh, two of the kids... Uh, we're not going to be going to the fair from this one family. Um, and this is one of the families that wasn't going to march and drill. So in Sabbath, the other mother came to me and reversed her position and said, it's okay if they do some marching and drilling. Okay, well, we've got one meeting on Sunday before the fair. This is our chance to learn to march and drill. And so we had our worship, and then we started working on the stationary commands. And it was a disaster. We worked on it for about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and then we went and worked on one of the events that they'd been working on, and they'd, all, they'd been working on that. They knew what to do, and, and that went really well. And then we went back to working on marching uh, on the stationary commands, and, and it, was, it was really pretty grim. And, uh, but we had another 10 minutes on this, and, and making a little bit of progress, but really not a lot. And then we work on another one of the events that we'd prepared for, and we'd been working on that, and it worked great. And, and, and so, I, you know, the kids, they enjoyed those because they knew what they were doing. Went back to march and drill, and the stationary commands are a little bit coming together, but then I started throwing in the moving commands. And, oh, it was terrible. And another, that was about 10, 15 minutes, and we broke and worked on the other one. And that one worked great, too, because they'd been practicing it. After we got through with that, I, we said, let's go out to the parking lot. And we went to try marching and drill again, and we got a lot more space. And now uh, they're starting to get some of it figured out. And, but, but they're kids. And, you know, one of the reasons adventurers don't march and drill is because... Neurologically, they're not ready for it. Do they know right and left? A few of them do, but there's pathfinders that have trouble with that. There's adults that have trouble with that. So, you know, we don't march and drill with adventurers. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, these kids knew that we're going to be at the fair and we're having trouble figuring out right and left. Well, we had a crushed rock parking lot. So he says, okay, everybody reach down with, which is your right hand, which is your right hand. Okay, reach down with the right hand and grab a rock. You have a rock in your right hand. So when I say right face, you can think rock. So that way they knew which way to go. And so we started working on, and that seemed to help some of them. But we, I knew that we needed to do it together. And so all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm pushing them and saying, you know, right face. And I said it with a rhythm, right face, boom, 
Boom, that's what I wanted them to do. And I noticed some of them were doing it, and I would just keep going right face until we've got everybody going in the correct direction. And then, but then we needed to get it all at the same time. And that was almost together, uh, again, right face. Almost together, just a couple of you aren't, aren't with it. Right face, again. And all as I'm doing this, all of a sudden, they figured out that they, how well they did, infected the whole rest of the group. That what they did actually did affect everybody else. And they needed to get it right. And all of a sudden, in less than five minutes, I saw this go from six kids to one team. Something happened. And march and drill was never the big thing in our club. In any of the clubs I've had, it's never been the big thing. But it is a tool that we use because it can help them become a club together. Yes? Just out of curiosity, did the mothers say why they were against march and drill? Or did you ask them? Or? I, I did not ask the mother why. But I knew because of previous small church, uh, book membership, ballpark 100, actual attendance membership 50-ish. And um, I knew that one of them, um, her husband had been, uh, before my kids were old enough to be in Pathfinder, her husband uh, had been the drill instructor for the Pathfinder Club. And he'd been a Marine. And he was trying to make all the kids Marines. Um, and the other mother, um, they were really close friends. But the families were close. So that's, that's the background beyond that. But um, we weren't trying to, we're not trying to make Marines out of our kids. We're not trying to make Soldiers out of our kids. You know, yes, we do sing the song, We Are Soldiers in the Army. Yeah. And, and, we, and we are in a war, yes. But we are not, you, you know what I'm saying. Not military soldiers. Yeah, yes. I, I think, you know, you could kind of at the end of what you're talking about when they came together as a group, the objective of drill is not to make Marines or G.I. Joe, whatever you want to call it, but it does teach them, especially, uh, you know, not so much the stationary, but when you're marching, if you say right face and half the group goes left and half the group goes right, there's collision. Yes. So that, that's part of the training and, and lesson that they learn by drill. Again, not that they're, you know, the sharpest group in the uh, conference or whatever, but teaching them to work together, kind of like the uh, paper plate crossing the river. Yeah. Uh, working together as not everyone is the captain or the scribe of the unit, but everyone has a part. And when everyone does their part, um, you know, like in drill, if everybody does their part, you are tripping or knocking each other down. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 A big part of it is learning to work together as a group. And another part of it is the it builds the esprit de corps, the, the, the group, um, we are a group together uh, idea. And um, it also just functionally is, can be a way to gain order uh, when, when you're together, you know, um, I've run I ran three small clubs, and then I ended up with a bigger one. And lo and behold, there are differences between running a big club and a small club. And fortunately, my deputy director was able to, to give me some really good counsel. And uh, one of the, she had been the director the year before, and she used a whistle. And she, she had one, one blast meant 
Just stop what you're doing, where you are, and listen. And there was, and I don't remember what all the other ones were, but there was one for, I think if you blew it three times, you're supposed to, everybody's supposed to fall in. And I don't remember what two was, but at any rate. Um, and that worked well. And I had an outside whistle and I had an inside whistle. Uh, the outside one was a lot louder. And uh, it, it worked well. Now, when I, I would, we would start meetings with the pledge in law uh, and then go to sing the song, you, I, how do you sing the song without a starting point? And along the line, I ended up acquiring a, what's called a pocket trumpet. It's, it's, the tubing is just as long as a normal trumpet, but it's wound up more. And so I, I would play um, the Pathfinder's introduction to the Pathfinder song on that. And then I, all of a sudden it dawned on me, I can use this, I can use, just go dum da da dum da da dum to call the kids, and they like that better than the whistle. Now, I recognize not all of you are going to play trumpet or, or the bugle, but, but what I am saying is look for different ways uh, to get your kids uh, different tools that, that we can use. But anyway, that's a story of how I used March and Drill to help them learn how the, what they did affects the rest of the group. Um, and, and you know that this when this slide comes that that's when I usually tell the basketball story but you got it early um, working on the group process as people in the group work together to accomplish a task they're doing something to and with the other members of the group and you know, they talk over here about a network of changing relationships between individuals. I, we, my wife and I have four kids. And when they were young, we noticed that you pull out any one of them to go to grandma's house and it changed the total dynamic uh, of the group. Um, one of the clubs, the last club that I had in Minnesota, uh, Heidi was the spark plug. And was, I remember one meeting when Heidi wasn't there. Everybody was just kind of sitting around. They were sort of there, but nobody got excited about anything. I mean, Heidi was a spark plug. And, and as long as she was on my side, things went well. And, uh, but if I, you know, another side of that story is, is that there were several meetings. There were a whole bunch of meetings that went afterwards. I went home and evaluated, am I going to keep doing this Pathfinder thing with all the grief that she gives? Um, well, the, you, you see where I am. So, so I think you've got the answer to the question. Yes. And Heidi was in one of those transition stages as a kid. And all of a sudden, after she got through that, all of a sudden, boom, the Heidi we had known before was back, but better. Um, so, um, Pastor Craig, did you uh, have any extra binders uh, yes. here? Well, let's find out how many, how many of you need... Uh, are starting out and don't have one of the Pathfinder or one of the Master Guide binders. How many of you need? One, two, three, four, five. Um, the Master Guide binder has really clear. I, I, I'm just really, really, really happy about our conference using those because it's clarified so much what the requirements are. Um, before, uh, we had these cards, and, and I remember I would spend, end up spending 15, 20 minutes just explaining the card. 
so people understood what they had to do to become a master guide. Whereas now that we have these binders, uh, it, it really clarifies a lot. So, welcome. Um, leaders in the group have to help the have to help everybody recognize these different functions and help them to work together. Um, just like if you have a team of oxen or horses, they both need to learn to work together. And I can remember a guy in a, one of the churches, I, the first church I had the, uh, my first club in, uh, he, had, he actually farmed with horses. Um, and uh, he, he talked, I remember hearing him talk about how they have to learn to work together. Um, and guess what? Our kids are the same way. They have to learn to work together. Some, and some will take to it easier than others. Here's, a, here, here's an interesting cartoon where the one guy says, someone should take care of that problem. You could take care of it. Well, I can't do everything. You don't do anything. Not a single thing. It's my job to angrily identify problems. Wally, that's not your job. What? Everything is so ambiguous here. Someone should take care of that problem. Is it just me or is this meeting taking forever? How many of you have met this person? <laughs> so there are some specific leadership methods that can help group achieve and accomplish some of these things. Um, and there's people in every group that use different methods, and we're going to be looking at some of those. One of the leadership functions, the initiator, contributor, one that gets things started. This is a really good picture of a starting pistol. Uh, the the, the, the um, the shutter was open at just the right time to see the explosion of that. Another leadership function is the information seeker, someone who asks questions. We also have information givers, the people that give answers. We have the coordinators. These are the ones that help to keep things rolling. The orienters, the one who points the group toward its goal, they keep it moving in the right direction. Uh, frequently in a group it's easy to get, discussion can get off on sidetracks and they can help bring things back online. The summarizer, the one that will pull together related ideas and they can restate highlights of the discussion. The consensus tester, the one that sends up trial balloons, see are we near a conclusion? How much agreement have we achieved here? So, some of the, we're going to look at some of the different roles here. The encourager, one that gives support to others in the group to keep them functioning together. Sometimes people just need a little encouragement. And some people do get, are more easily discouraged than others. We all have different life experiences. And something that's a really big challenge for somebody is nothing for somebody else because of their skills, abilities, life experiences, whatever. And so sometimes the people for whom something is a really big challenge just need to be encouraged a little bit. The harmonizer. How many of you have ever seen... Uh, a sheepdog working. It, it's, it's amazing to see how some of them can work. I've seen some um, cool YouTubes of uh, some of them at night with lights. And it's really cool to see how well they can move the, the herd around, or the flock around. We have also have gatekeepers that's going to say, okay, this is what we're supposed to be talking, not all that other stuff. Let's let, Let's try and, and work on this one and make sure that everybody's on this task and not on the others. And let's get everybody involved. Then we have the standard setters, and this is what we want to achieve. Uh, we can't do everything, but let's, this is the standard that we should be working toward. Sometimes, though, you're going to find the blockers. They're going to just... They are what they are. They're going to be 
go, they go off on tangents, they overreact negatively to most anything. Then we have the non-participants. They're indifferent and passive to anything that comes along, uh, and they're going to withdraw from other groups. Now, just because somebody is doodling, I have learned, doesn't mean that they're not with you. I remember doing uh, one of these seminars up at Camp Asable. It was a number of years ago. And there was a girl in the back that was drawing. and and uh, But we went ahead and covered the material. Come to find out later um, what she, she, that is a part of how her, she is wired is she needs to be drawing stuff, and she was drawing my portrait. Who'd have thunk it? But uh, she was participating in her own way. Um, another, then we have another personality that works against group cohesion, the fighter. Uh, sometimes they'll be working for status by blaming others. They'll deflate the egos of others. They'll hold grudges. Then there's always the clowns. They're going to fool around, mimic, and uh, anybody ever go to school and, and have a class clown? Yeah. We have the dominators. They're dogmatic and rigid, and they're, they're trying to assist authority, and they're going to interrupt others because they are superior. Just ask them. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes we'll also have clicks. And I, I remember when I was in the academy, there was uh, one group of girls that even had their name for themselves. Yeah. Then there's those that just don't pay any attention to what's going on. Like the guy that says, I'm not convinced that's the best strategy. Then again, I wasn't listening. Some other things that can cause a lack of group cohesion is hyperactivity, poor organization, or, or leadership. Now, got a little exercise for all of you. Everybody got the handout? Okay. So, we're going to, you're going to do the exercise, and then we will talk about it. It is Operation Heartbeat. Um, I don't remember how much time it says you've got. You don't have that much time, but there aren't, this isn't a huge group. So I'm going to give you four minutes to do that. So go. So as you were doing this, now, I don't care if you picked somebody or if you did who you picked. Right. That isn't what this is about, from my perspective. What this is about is for you now to look back at the last four and a half minutes. Did you see, remember all those different characteristics that we saw? You know, the, the, the big sumo wrestler, you know, the, the clown, that's, that's, you know, and, and all of these things. <coughs> Don't name names. Did you see any of those people in here? What, what did you so did, were there people here that were that were keeping everybody on that were made sure you were on task? We, we did that, but we may have misled, misled the task. So, did in the discussion did sort of a leader or several leaders show up that sort of led the discussion? Okay. Every group is different. And, and because of, of the time frame, you guys didn't have a lot of time to work on it. And sometimes one group, 
uh, in, in a group, one person will become a leader for a while and then somebody else uh, will become a leader. And, and, uh, and, some, and, and like, again, this is a fairly small group, but, but sometimes you can see three or four of those different uh, things. That's what that was, that's what this is about. We're not going to save a life with this heart. But hopefully, you will develop leadership skills so that you can save some kids' hearts for the Lord. Because that, those are the hearts that are most important. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I'm glad that I've got this one in here and that it's working well. Uh, and that I don't need a cardiologist. I'm, I'm, I am very blessed. But the, the important heart thing is that we get our kids uh, their, their, to give their heart to the Lord and help. And they're going to need help doing it. And, and, and that's, that's why you're here, I hope. And, and, and you made a wonderful point that different people in our staff will reach different kids. That is so very, very true. Um, but I want you to know it is fair. I don't care if you're running an adventurer club or a pathfinder club or an AY club or a Sabbath school class. Any of those kids that are currently in your class or were in it or are going to be in it, you can pray for any of them. They're all fair game. So, and there's times you need to tell them that. Our Father, we thank You for the blessings that You've given to us. Thank You for the opportunities that we have to minister to Your kids. Help us to find ways to help them. You know, we, this exercise was looking at who's a good candidate for one heart transplant. But the way you've worked it out, you can give everybody a new heart and help us to learn to help them to want that new heart and to learn how to feed it with prayer and study and sharing. We ask this in thy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.